is from the 55th chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 3. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make sure you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And for the reading of the gospel. From John, the seventh chapter. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the crowd said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some asked, Surely the Messiah does not come from Galilee, does he? Has not the scripture said that the Messiah is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there was a division in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. When the temple police went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees and asked them, why did you not arrest him? The police answered, never has anyone spoken like this. Then the Pharisees replied, surely you have not been deceived too, have you? Has any one of the authorities or of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which does not, does not know the law, they are accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, asked, Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? They replied, Surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see. No prophet is to arise from Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from God and our Savior Jesus. Amen. Our gospel reading begins on the last day of the festival. Jesus was celebrating the festival of tabernacles or booths, which is translated from the Hebrew word Sukkot. The festival of Sukkot is one of the three pilgrimage festivals. It is an autumn festival. According to rabbinic tradition, these tent-like structures represent the huts in which the Israelites dwelt during their 40 years of wandering in the desert after escaping slavery in Egypt. They were also used in the fields built by those who were in need of shade. By the end of the harvest, there are Sukkot throughout the fields. For the festival, you are to stay in one for a week, rest the first 
and last day. Enjoy the festival in between. The festival depicts the messianic future of peace and God's provision. This is what Jesus was offering the people. A future of peace and God's provision. He cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. But what happened? The crowd got caught up in the details, arguing if Jesus was a prophet or a Messiah. And if a Messiah, where was he born? So there was a division in the crowd. Some of them even wanted to have him arrested. Who really wanted Jesus arrested were the religious leaders. But no one laid hands on him, not even the temple police. They were amazed at his teachings. How did the religious leaders reply? Surely you have not been deceived too, have you? That was their response for anyone who looked favorably upon Jesus, including one of their own, Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus before. He reminded the other religious leaders, our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing. They derided him. Surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. Side note, 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. It mentions that the prophet Jonah had Galilean origins. And some scholars believe Micah, Elijah, Nahum, and Hosea were from the Galilean region as well. One commentator wrote that in the Gospel of John, everything hinges on right judgment. From John 7, 24, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. What did Jesus say flows out of a believer's heart? Rivers of living water. Earlier, Jesus had told, told Nicodemus that one had to be born of water and the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was judging by appearances of a physical birth. In contrast, Jesus was speaking about a spiritual birth. Jesus told the Samaritan woman that he could give her living water. This was in contrast to the physical water that she came to retrieve at the well. That physical water would run out and she would need to continually return to the well. But Jesus offered the woman water that would never run out. Water that would become within the believers a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Here Jesus has taken it public, announcing to the crowd, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, offering himself as the water of life and telling all they could come to him and receive that never-ending life. Rivers of living water. It alludes to Isaiah 55.1 and Isaiah 58.11, passages that similarly present the messianic hope in terms of life-giving water. Jesus was not simply using metaphor to liken his own life-giving ministry to that of water. He was actually claimed he actually claimed to be the fulfillment of the scripture's water prophecies because he was the life giver. Those who believed in him would have eternal life within them and would no longer need 
to seek life from an external source. For out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Right judgment produces living water, while wrong judgment is polluted and causes death. Far from being superior to the crowd, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are subject to the same faulty judgment based on appearances and not right judgment. Those who resist Jesus judge him according to pre-existent systems and structures that both cause and provide justification for their misperceptions. Jesus is measured against professed knowledge of who the Messiah will be of what the scripture says. This rigid certitude with which those expectations are held determines the judgment reached about Jesus. Jesus coming into the world as the incarnate word of God requires that one perceive reality, reality differently. Judgment based on appearance risks reducing Jesus to fit who or what we think he should be rather than allowing his fullness. Incarnate word to work its way into our systems, our structures, of, a, of our perceptions, and into our hearts. The core of Jesus' revelation is thus his identity as the sent one of God and the ways in which Jesus makes God visible and accessible to the world. That's where we fit in. That is our job as the church and individual believers. But there are many religious people today like the religious leaders who despise Jesus. However, these religious leaders claim to be followers followers of Jesus, yet profess rigid self-righteousness and condemnation. Polluted water flows from them instead of Jesus' life-giving water. Not only in the Gospel of John, but everything in all times, including this moment, hinges on right judgment. Faulty perception of Jesus can cause people to turn away from the living water, from Jesus' offer of salvation. I'd like to look back in right judgment to look forward. These three short verses from Isaiah provide direction for us today. Juliana Claussen, a professor of Old Testament University of Stellenbosch, South Africa, points out that the speaker urgently invites this exiled community burdened by imperial policies in a threefold repetition of the imperative to come. They are invited to come, buy, and eat from the rich gifts of food the prophet is offering, the wine and the nourishing milk well suited for a festival. The audience is called to take part in the feast, to eat what is good and to delight themselves in rich food, making a connection between food and the word. This text offers evidence that food increasingly is understood on a spiritual level, intended to still Israel's spiritual hunger and thirst. The recipients of the prophetic word in Isaiah 55 are described as being needy, to be thirsty and to have no money. The traumatic experience of the exile and its aftermath had unquestionably depleted not only their physical but also their emotional and spiritual resources of these weary survivors. And what is remarkable about this invitation is that people are encouraged to come buy the expensive fare without money, denoting 
the utter inability of the exiles to change their situation. This text asserts that the gift of salvation offered by God is completely and utterly free. There is nothing no one can do to earn this gracious gift. The prophet is imagining a new life filled with joy ahead for the people who have had more than their share of suffering and pain. The crisis brought about by the Babylonian exile surely raised all kinds of questions about whether God still remembered the covenant made with David. The particularity of the Davidic covenant is modified by the universality of the invitation that is directed to all people. This roomier understanding of the covenant relates to the servant's calling in Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, to be a light to the nations, fulfilling Israel's mission to be a blessing by providing healing and justice to those in need. It is exactly the love God had for David that serves as a witness to other nations who do not know God. By this act of expanding God's steadfast love for David, to include others, nations may witness God's love. The living word of God has to be constantly actualized in terms of the new challenges we face. These scripture verses, Isaiah 55 and John 7, were chosen for today, almost six months ago. Jesus has been glorified. The Spirit is at work. Another side note. Many of my atheist friends like to tell me religion causes all wars. What is happening in Ukraine is not because of religion. I would argue it is due to a leader who made a judgment by appearances, not with right judgment. And within the same conversation, they'll say, well, if there is a God, why does, why does God allow for this? I echo theologian Martin Luther. War is the greatest plague that can afflict humanity. It destroys religion. It destroys states. It destroys families. Any scourge is preferable to it. Where is God in this? Within the body of Christ. In the life-giving waters that flow from the believers. Godliness is not accidental, but intentional. In order to walk with God and have an impact for his name in the lives of others, we must have right judgment. May we celebrate a festival of Sukkot on our own, creating shelter and providing resources for those who are in harm's way, announcing the messianic future of peace and God's provision. That is what the prophet offered those returning from exile. It is what Jesus was offering the crowd it is what we are to offer to others in his name. Today and in the weeks ahead, you are invited to make a gift to St. Luke's. The missions team and other members have identified a number of organizations, Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services, Lutheran Disaster Response, Feed My Starving Children, All Right, and St. Catherine Ukrainian Orthodox Church in Arden Hills is also taking physical collections. If you would like to make a donation, simply take out the envelope that's in the pew in front of you and make a donation. 
to make a difference, life-giving water flowing from us to those who are in exile, those who are in need, those who are in harm's way. And know that St. Luke's will be making an additional gift as well. That is our job as the church and as individual believers. Let living water flow. Amen.